Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bing bong, bing Ooh, hello, listeners, and welcome to the gloomy, spooky episode of Suggestible Podcast. I am Claire. Did you hear that? What? Collings put in a thundercrack sound effect into the edit <laughs> just to make his job that little bit more difficult. Well, it is, of course, uh, the spookiest time of the year, and I'm not just talking about tax time because it's a very special... Here he goes. Halloween <laughs> episode. Claire's the least favorite episode of the year. <laughs> You're going to enjoy this so oh much. Oh, my God, Claire, so I, much. Okay. I have to say I hated researching this. Oh, my God, I know. And that's what I love about it. Uh, just to get people up to speed, this is Suggestible, the podcast where we suggest things to you. My name is James. With me is my, my wife, Claire. I know you normally do the The bride of so that, in this scenario, you're Frankenstein, correct. Oh. Well, Frankenstein was actually uh, the guy who built the monster. Tech, so, uh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so I'm the guy who built yeah, the monster. Yeah, and you know who the monster is? Mason. Nicholas Mason. I did build him. You did build him in your basement from just, assorted parts. It was mostly like rats and frogs <laughs> and shit. I just kind of <laughs> put it together. <laughs> just stuck a beard on it and went, yeah, that's a person, I reckon. Correct. Exactly. I walk, came home one day from a walk and you were like, I'm starting a podcast with this. Look at Monster I made. I made. And you're like, why didn't you ask like one of your friends? And I'm like, no, no, no. I made this guy. I made this weird guy. I don't have any friends. <laughs> yeah, but our friends. I chopped them up and put them in a pie. And I don't know something. That's right. That's what I did. Yeah. No, that's the what is that? That's Sweeney Todd. Yeah. There, where they like put people in I'm pies. I'm a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. I've only seen it once, but maybe it's incredible. In the musical, I just as a side note, have sung in sung that musical yeah, right. in the cabaret group I used to belong to. <laughs> Well, I think we watched that together and you told me that it's much funnier because I'm watching this and I'm like, mm. is this is this funny? Like what am I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Correct. Not to be like, this is this is rude. It was just like I don't get the sense of like fun and do you know what in it like at all? Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that from it. Uh I'm just plugging my laptop. Maybe I need me. to see it again. No, it, it's it's supposed to be quite tongue in cheek and yeah. funny. And no, Johnny Depp made it very uh, like Well, he's not a he's not like a, a he's not a musician, singer. Well, he's a musician, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Time, it right? just didn't have the same kind of like com, com, comedic timing. They don't anyway, let's translate. get back to our spoon. Oh my god, thing. my favorite thing about this is that Claire all week has been struggling to find <laughs> things uh, to watch that didn't freak her out so much that she could complain. <laughs> them and I believe you have a list of things that you started and then couldn't get through. Okay. I think we should start there. Okay, so we have really excellent listeners, I have to say, and oh they I did get sent in some excellent recommendations, which I then followed up, and I have one in particular that I bloody loved, and I am now going to watch every year forever. But I won't talk about that yet. I'll just list the things that I did try. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I first up thought maybe I'll try watching spooky movies that I've already watched. Okay. Because I haven't talked about them and so maybe that would help. So I started by trying to watch The Ring. Oh, my God. Why did you pick The Ring? Because I'd already seen it and I felt like maybe it would take the spooky thing out of it. <laughs> it did not. 
It was just as spooky. It opens. It's so gloomy and terrifying. And I was immediately transported back into like the early 2000s, whenever it came out, when I sat in a theatre and hid my eyes and I couldn't cope. So I lasted a minute 30 into the ring. <laughs> that's, well, that's funny because like at that point when that movie came out, I was like, I've seen horror movies. It's like slashes and whatever. And I've seen Scream and I've seen some Friday the 13th and whatever, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this. And it scared the literal piss out of me. Like that just, it's real. It's the fly? Yeah. It's you know, just, the fly buzzing? Like the imagery the and it's just like, ah, oh, it's just like a very, oh. and we're talking about the American remake. Correct. Presumably. Yeah, because it's but, based um, on a Japanese movie, Japanese right? Film, and yeah. it's the girl coming out of the well with yeah. the hair over it. And I thought, oh, that's become such a sort of almost comedic meme, totally, right? Yeah. And, and it's been done so many different times in different movies. So I thought, no, I could cope with this. Couldn't even cope for a couple of minutes. Yeah. So can't do it. So then James Brock, one of our beautiful listeners, emailed me a list of suggestions and I thought that we said to him, make sure they're not spooky, James. (laughs) But so he suggested The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. And then The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, because that was um, the one that I talked about recently, the uh, Midnight Mass, Mm. that he made those series before Midnight Mass, the Ah. um, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) <laughs> I tried. I tried and it opened on a spooky house. Actually, I even just tried watching the Netflix trailer for The Haunting of Hill House and that got me so spooky that I couldn't sleep. Like I'm spooked, not spooky. Just from spooked. the trailer. From the trailer. And it's all about like, you know what gets me? It's the children thing. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. in The Haunting of Hill House, it's all about how they grew up in this spooky house as children and now they're grown up so they're having like terrible flashbacks and terrible imagery based on the things that happened to them as children. And I just cannot, I can't cope. Do you know what yeah, then yeah, I tried? Because yeah. I was like haunting in the house. No, can't do it. <laughs> James Brock, what were you thinking? So then I thought maybe I'll just go to like a children's one. So I went to okay. Monster House. Oh, that's that's not a kid's movie. Like I think that's a good movie, but it's not a kid's movie. It's it's like it's way too upsetting. Right. It's like a dead woman's ghost in the house or oh. something. Well, literally, okay, I wouldn't know because I didn't get that far. Because yeah. <laughs> I got five minutes in, there's a spooky little blonde girl riding a tricycle, like singing at the top of her lungs, which a little bit reminded me of my daughter, which was freaking me out. And <laughs> then she kind of stumbles on this, like, scary house and she, she her trike gets stuck and then the gloomy, spooky music comes in and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. So... Anyway, I tried a lot of others. Is it's that stop motion? Boring. I think it's stop motion, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's computer animated. No, it's, it's computer not animated, motion, yeah. but it's it's a different type of um, animation style because it was made, what, like 2013, yeah. I think? Dan Harmon wrote that, uh, who does like Rick and Morty and stuff, and uh, Rob Rob Schraub, who's it, done a bunch of stuff. Is it worth sticking with? Should I, work, should I stick with it? I, I honestly can't really remember. I remember liking it, um, but it's not like a, it's not a kid's movie. It's more like a spooky, like early teens kind of kids movie I would say. Uh, even though it's an animation. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay, great. So because I was super spooked. So I felt silly that I was super spooked, but maybe but not But a so lot of silly. people who made that have gone on to make like, because I think it's good, but it's just kind of in a weird like. It's not quite in the right spot. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing I tried to watch, which isn't my recommendation, is The Witches remake with Anne Hathaway. I still haven't seen that. So not even the original. No, I couldn't. I, I was really looking forward to that and I still haven't Watched me it. too. Yeah, so I love a, the cast as well. Yeah, me yeah. too. And I really like Anne Hathaway. And look, as we discussed in the previous Halloween episode, The Witches is by far the most terrifying movie that I ever watched as a child and I couldn't sleep for years. Yeah. It was years. 
My mum complained to our neighbour who let me watch it when I was like six or something and it was burned into my brain because it's based on a book that I actually do really love by Roald Dahl that, you know, basically there are witches in real life that are just women hanging around with gloves on and then when they take the – Exactly, (laughs) typical. They take the gloves off and like eat the children. Yeah. And it's just horrendous. But I was really looking forward to the Anne Hathaway remake. It's um, Robert Zemeckis directed that uh, who did like Back to the Future and – other cool stuff. Oh, there you go. Well, and like Octavia Spencer's the grandma in it. Like, there's a lot of good. Yeah, I should watch it. I should really watch it. I because, should too. Um, though that being said, I've never seen the original. Oh. I just, it's just and I know Rowan Atkinson's in it as well. Like, the it's original quite is is really great. I've like, seen it's like terrifying the ending where it kind of cops out. Not to spoil the witches, but in the book, the boy. Well, it's in the movie as well. The the boy. Spoiler alert for witches. This book that's like thirty years old, if more, no doubt. <laughs> but. The boy gets turned into a mouse by by the witches with a potion, and then at the end, you know, they have to destroy the witches and whatever. And but he doesn't get turned back. Like in the book, he stays a mouse, and he's stuck, and he's with his grandma. And his grandma's quite old, and it kind of ends like that. Like he'll probably have the lifespan of a boy, but he's a he's a mouse. And um, so it's kind of ominous, kind of like he doesn't change back. His grandma's not going to be around forever. It's kind of a happy ending. But in the movie, he does change back. Somebody gives him a potion and he grows back into a real boy. But I always love that ending of just like, it's pretty fucked up. Like they've basically, like he won, but they ruined his life. Yeah. And it's that kind of, see, that's kind of thing that they can't, they couldn't have done that, I think, in a blockbuster I wonder if they did in the new one. I should watch it. I uh, should too because, but I think part of the joy about books we read as kids and one of the reasons I love Roald Dahl so much is that like edge of sinisterness. That kind of totally is that is that even a word? Sinisterianism. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. That that edge of darkness. That life is kind of precarious and dangerous. And you're a kid in your cozy bed reading it, so you know you're safe. Yeah. But I think that's why a lot of the Disney movies have you know that orphan kind of story or like parents dying mm. and tragedy. Because that's know, the worst striking. thing for a kid, obviously. It is, yeah. yeah. But actually, I think kids want to know about that stuff and yeah. they want to read about it in while they're feeling safe at mm. the same time, you know, and I think that's what's so great. That's why The Lion King, when you watch it, I mean, it's such an iconic kids movie, but it is horribly distressing. I mean, yeah. his dad is murdered and you see it happen. Mm. So it's crazy that that is like the pinnacle moment in this children's film. But I think it's the same with that ending, right, that yeah. kids aren't stupid. Mm. Kids know the world is full of kind of dark and dangerous things and they want to explore them a little bit. In a safe in a safe, way, yeah. In a safe, magical kind of imagination mm. way. Anyway, cool. I, one of the reasons <laughs> I haven't watched that the, the witches and I watched a little bit of it and I just I'm not in the mood my brain can't cope with all the spooky stuff but from one 80, of the, it's from 83 oh okay, there you go one of the, the reasons book. the I haven't watched the remake is because there is some criticism that Anne Hathaway's character is kind of making fun of people who have particular facial disfigurement oh there was a thing about like the hands, hands. um yeah. I can't remember the condition but I know I know what you mean yeah Yeah, and I can't remember the exact condition, but it is kind of making fun of people who are differently abled. Yes. In a way, like sort of saying that terrifying and perpetuating that stereotype that if you have a particular kind of disability that then you're something to be feared, which is absolutely not true. And I think I'm hoping that the narrative is changing. There's a wonderful writer from Melbourne called Carly Finlay who does a lot of advocacy work in this space and she wrote an Instagram post about how problematic she found the witches to be because those kind of movies do 
lead to kids being scared of yeah. um, particular ways that people appear that shouldn't necessarily be the case at all. So it's um, ectrodactyly, it's like a limb abnormality. It's like a hands. I don't think it was like intentional. No, I don't think so but, uh, either. But, but you I know, think, it's something you should be aware of, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's sense. one of the reasons why I didn't watch it in the end. But yeah. mainly also because I'm a big fat chick- chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chicken. So what did you watch then? Ooh, oh, my God, I love this so much. Okay, so quite a few readers recommended this to me. Mm. The first was Ryan Brace. Thank you for your recommendation. Also, I have to say that the poor, fateful James Brock who recommended The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor did redeem himself by also listing this in his email. And also go. Francisco Calderon Mora wrote to me and said that you should definitely watch it. Mm. And once a couple of people recommend it, it's called Over the Garden Wall. Mm. Now, um, it's a 10-episode animated series and I just loved it. So it's based on an, a short animation by the program creator called Patrick McHale called The Tomb of the Unknown. That mm-hmm. was made in 2013. That's only kind of a nine-minute animation of these two little boys. Did you boys. watch that one? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, and it's just as weird, if not a yeah. bit weirder. There's kind of old vegetables. It's about two little boys that go basically on an adventure in the unknown, kind of in the woods. And, and it starts very like, because I watched a bit of I watched like half I didn't, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to finish it because I have to watch Ghostbusters movies. <laughs> but yeah, it starts. It just drops you in. And I'm like, did I miss something? So does the previous, does the short film lead up to it? No. Okay. Not yeah. at all. You really do have to watch the whole thing in its entirety because yeah. there is, an, there is a, an episode that does explain the origin story of oh, okay, why they're right. there in the yep. first place. Yep. So Patrick McHale himself is so interesting. He's an American storyboard artist, writer, animator, songwriter, and independent filmmaker. And so he actually also won an Emmy for the miniseries Over the Garden Wall that was based on the Tomb of the Unknown that he created. Um, It's got some really surprising kind of guest stars in it as well. Um, Elijah Wood is one of the voices, Christopher Lloyd, um, and then Chris Isaac and John Cleese Chris Isaac is in it. I really didn't know Yeah, which is really interesting. Anyway, I'll tell the basic story. So on an adventure, brothers Wirt and Greg get lost in the unknown, a strange forest adrift in time. A wise old woodsman and a bluebird Beatrice help them find their way. Along the way, Wirt's thoughts envelope him, while the wonder of the surroundings preoccupy Greg, who's this like gorgeous, funny, little, really enthusiastic character who carries a little frog with him He's and wears a teapot on his head. <laughs> he it's, does remind you of like, like I've met kids like that, not literally wearing a teapot, but they, they capture that essence so well. Totally. Yeah, it's like so, and he's so joyful and curious and innocent and funny and brave yeah. in this gorgeous little character. And then Wirt, his brother, is um, older. They're stepbrothers. Yeah. And he's obviously. Half brothers? Yeah, actually, you're right, half brother. Mm. And Wirt is kind of nerdy. He plays the clarinet. He's very existential. He's yeah. obviously he's very self-aware, almost painfully self-aware. Mm. And, and that's kind of, Elijah Wood as well, who plays like he'd have to be at least forty, but he plays like young really well. Yeah, still, like yeah. it's sort of he must be in his early teens, you'd think. Yeah, um, maybe a bit younger. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of sarcastic and, but also really the hero in the tale as well. And. And initially he's just irritated by his brother the whole time. Mm. He's wearing this funny cone-shaped red hat too. Yeah. And the whole thing has got this real air about it of nostalgia and the cartoon style is really beautiful. It reminds me a little bit of those early Disney films in a way. There the is beginning. a bit of that, totally, yeah. yeah. Like the way that the the music comes in, the music itself is amazing and what's great about Patrick Nolan is he is a songwriter as well. So oh, he's really done 
a lot of the scoring and mm. just the art style. Like it's just so quirky and strange. It's, it's interesting because he worked on, and I it's obvious looking at it, he worked on um, Adventure Time, like the earlier seasons, mm. and there's a bit of that in it, like that quirky, like you're running to like this just totally bizarre character with a just off-the-wall personality who might not look, like act how they look and it's just very... Interchangeable? Yeah, 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 is that the word? Yeah, uh, yeah, or surprising. Like a character mm. might suddenly flip on its head and be something completely yes. different. It reminds me a little bit of Alice in Wonderland totally, too, in yeah. that they will come across a setting like an old house in the woods and you'll think it's one spooky thing and it turns out it's the other spooky thing. Like there's – and it just, you know, there's like such – such random details like tiny black turtles in a basket and they're hiding under the black turtles from Mrs. Whispers who's this like <laughs> giant kind of gothic, creepy-looking, ghostly character yeah. who looks a little bit like that big Jabba the Hutt from the Star yeah, sure, Wars yeah. with the bonnet on and then she's got her this like niece who's just like sweeping the floor and mm. she seems all sweet and innocent but actually she's possessed by a demon and <laughs> it's just, you know, but then there's also these like Funny little scenes where it'll be in a school setting and the yeah, jokes like are so yeah. great. And there's a woman who's teaching like animals and she starts singing this random song about how her heart was broken and her lovers left her. And <laughs> I love the re- uh, I won't spoil it, but the reveal of what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, and there's just a random gorilla. And there's a, a gorilla sudden. just like tearing through the town. <laughs> it's so weird. It's a bit like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. As it's well. weird, but it's not like this is just weird for the sake of being weird. There is a like a logic to the universe, you know? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's definitely very very Halloween-esque. You know, yeah. it's, it's set on Halloween night. When you find out the origin story, and I won't spoil that for mm. you, you should watch it. It's so gorgeous. It's set on the night of Halloween, which is something okay. happens and it's why the two brothers are kind of finding themselves over the garden wall. Yeah. And... Then there's the kind of weird village of pumpkins that comes into oh, yeah. play and they just start singing these like amazing songs yeah. that are sometimes very heartwarming. And I found with Patrick's first work that it's based on Tomb of the Unknown, there's the same songs in there. Like there's there's the jack-o'-lantern characters. But the exact singing. same songs. Not exactly, but they have a very similar okay. sound to them and they're like old vegetables singing basically yeah. and it's quite, it's very absurd, but you're right in this kind of narrative sort of that makes sense, even though it mm. doesn't make sense. And the character of the bluebird as well, I really like her. I think she's really funny and interesting and you immediately warm to them, even though you are only spending 10 minutes of at a time with them. Yeah, it's absolutely. Super intricate. Yeah, because it is like 12 minute episodes or whatever, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, and there's, there's 10 of it. them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, it's short. What did you say so you enjoyed I'm it? Four or five in, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, very much so. Do, what, what do you think, like, the age range for this is, though? Oh, like, I think, I mean, any, anyone would enjoy this, right? Yeah, like, but any like adult. How but do you mean low, how young? Yeah. Yeah, because it is quite spooky. Mm. Um, I would say maybe upwards of eight. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel yeah. about eight. And I again, it depends on, like, the kid. Yeah, how well do you know your kid and. Yeah, you know, I mean, people, you know, people know. Yeah, because it is quite, cope with and, there is quite dark sort of themes in there. Yeah. I mean, the woodsman is quite spooky and there's kind of this mythic beast that's yeah. kind of following them around that almost reminds me of the beast from Beauty and the Beast in some ways. Okay, yeah. Not that you see it, but just that it's the tone of that, mm. that voice that kind of pops in and out. Yeah. But I just love the feeling it gives me. I see why um, writers have said or people have written in to say that they watch this every year around Halloween. Yeah. 
because it gives you that feeling. I wish Halloween happened in autumn for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's true. We get it in spring. Yeah, yeah we do. I never is... thought about that, but yeah, it's absolutely the wrong time of year for well, Halloween. Well, yeah, that's why there's pumpkins and things because yeah. it's all happening in autumn. Anyway, it's, um, yeah, it's called Over the Garden Wall and you can find it on Stan at yeah, the moment I in Australia. I tried to find it last year because I want to talk about it last year and uh, it wasn't on anything for us. But um, I think it's on Hulu overseas maybe. I don't. It was released on the Cartoon Network in 2014. On YouTube you can find like the trailer for it. Sure. And and shorts. And you can actually still find the original Tomb of the Unknown in its entirety. Yes. Just on the Cartoon Network. I just was able to watch that just straight straight on the internet. Straight on the, look on the, it's on Prime as well, maybe in the US. Yeah, I Prime think, and Hulu. I think the biggest thing I liked about it um, was that, and which is why I think so many people recommended it to me. It is spooky, but it has enormous heart, mm. and I think it's so endearing. Yeah, and funny. It's just so funny, mm. and I think it's right up your alley because it's so absurd. Yeah, and weird and surprising. I agree. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, I tried to find something that I thought even you could handle. <laughs> you mean even me? Even you. This is a movie called Run from 2020 and it's directed by uh, Anis uh, Chiganti and he did Searching. Uh, if you watch Searching, the uh, the one about the missing girl and he's and he's on the internet and trying to find her, trying to locate his daughter. <gasps> yes, yes, I remember terrific. that. I think they're making another one of those. But it's, that was really terrific. And this is, well, it's not really like that at all. Uh, which is good. It shows that he's, you know, got a lot of, um, you know, he's not just a one-trick pony, you know what I mean? So the film stars are Kira Allen as, as a disabled homeschool teenager who begins to suspect that her mother, Sarah Paulson, is keeping a dark secret from her. So this girl, she's she's wheelchair-bound. She's uh, She's been at home her whole life. She has a number of conditions and, infl- and afflictions that, her, that are keeping her there essentially. So, you know, on, on the surface, you know, she's got a very loving mother and, you know, they have a great relationship and, and all of those things. But what, what it sort of becomes quite quickly is like a mix of misery, if you've seen Misery. Yeah, uh, you showed that to me and I it was burnt into my brain. It's a good movie. And uh, Rear Window, which is like a person witnesses a murder next door and they're like, oh, so what's going on next door or whatever. I would say the one flaw of this is it reveals pretty early in the piece, like what's going on. So it moves quite quickly. So there's a bit of like, like initially like, what's this? What's going on? Who's, you know, who's, who's at fault here? Is this all in her head and whatever? Is her mum on the level? All that is revealed like very early on and then it becomes like a trying to, it's, it's like a cat and mouse game of, I'm not going to spoil it, of, you know, of, of, of events unfolding. So it's really like high tension Performances are great. Uh, Sarah Paulson, who you would know, I assume, from lots of things. Mm-hmm. Do you know her, right? Mm-mm. You definitely would. Let me bring up a photo of Sarah Paulson and you go, oh, I know Sarah Paulson. You'll say she was in Ocean's 13. You'll say it's Ocean's, 11, Ocean's 9 or whatever. One of the Ocean's movies. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yes. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's terrific. She's Felicity, I feel. Was she? 
I feel, I feel like she was. She's in the Nurse Ratchet TV series. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I do love her. I did, should, you watch, did you watch yes. the Nurse Ratchet TV series? No, I was too spooky. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a prequel to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, she was in What Women Want. Yes, correct. She certainly was. What a movie, I guess. Uh, so, look, it's um, – what was I going to say? It's, it's worth not, a watch. It, yeah, well, it's not gory or bloody – it's more like tense, which I think is more your thing. Totally. You know I, mean? I will do there's a huge not, amount of tension. There's not a ghost. Nobody's getting beheaded or anything like oh, that. I don't like any of that weird, uh, spooky stuff. It's no. very – it's like it is like upsetting and and like awful and all of those things, but I think it's one of those things that – Good. That you could, yeah, good, that you <laughs> could manage. I've written here in all caps, tense. So that's how I would I would describe it. It's on Netflix. Okay. Oh, it is here. Who knows where, where you are in the world. And, uh, I'm right here in Melbourne. Very good. Well done. Thank you. That's the best joke we've had on this show or my much more successful show, The Weekly Planet. Jesus. I do have another thing to recommend, though, but um, if you've got another thing to recommend. I do. Yeah, I do. let's do it. I do. All right. Okay, so I looked around, I looked around, I looked around, and in the end I couldn't watch anything that was too spooky. So I thought, what shall I do? I'll read something. Oh, a I'll book. take a little sneaky short story, Wilder, why don't I? And so I looked around for a ghost story and I used to love a ghost story, right? I remember a slumber party when you tell ghost stories. So one of the most famous ghost stories is called The Monkey's Paw. Have you heard of this? Oh, I've read The Monkey's Paw, definitely. Yeah. So do you know, do you remember much about it? I know everything about The Monkey's Paw. It's like It's like often like a thing on the internet when like normally when something good happens on the internet, something in the same day absolutely terrible happens. So there's always like monkey paw memes oh. going around. And there's that excellent episode of The Simpsons with the monkey There paw. is. That's what I was going to bring up as well. Oh, there's cool. Yeah, yeah. Simpsons too based on this. So it's obvious it's something that's in our psyche, right, in our, in the zeitgeist. When's it from? Like the 1900s? 1902. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to yeah. tell you, I'll tell you the story for Let's listeners do yeah. that don't know it and then I'll tell you a little bit of the history. So it was first published in 1902 and featured in The Lady of the Barge, um, which was a book that was published in 1911. All right, so it opens with the phrase, be careful what you wish for, you may receive it, from Anonymous. And that's basically the, the content of the story. So it's it opens, which I love, and they do a really good job of depicting this sort of cottage that's on a dark and gloomy night. There's an old man and an old lady and their son, Herbert, yep. and then a friend of theirs who's a, a like a war veteran and a soldier sitting around a fire and it's, you know, there's a blizzard outside, it's very chilly uh, it could be on the moors, Love you know, that like kind that. of Big thing. Fan. Yeah, it's yeah. so good, isn't it? And they're all sitting around talking. And the soldier, after, you know, a few whiskeys in, pulls out a monkey's paw that's all shriveled up from in his palm mm. and tells them the story of how when he was in India. He it's was always given, India. It's always India you know, or the Orient. Which is actually a really, I'll, I'll get to that, but it's a it's deliberate because a lot of these stories around this this time were telling tales about the problems of the British Empire. Yeah, okay. Basically. So because the old couple in this story are called Mr. and Mrs. White. Yes. Um, and so it's actually when you start to really analyse it, if people would do that in a school context, yeah, there's making a point about the British Empire and the problems with overtaking and colonisation, mm. all of that stuff. That's Anywho, cool. let's get back to the cottage. Please. All right, so the soldier starts to tell the story about how he was given this monkey's paw and if you – it grants you three wishes. However, how many he, fingers does it have? Uh, it doesn't tell you. Okay. But it just will grant you three wishes and they will absolutely come true, but you have to be careful about the consequences. And he tells it in this way 
where you get the feeling that terrible things have happened to him mm. because he did go through with those three wishes. Now, the old couple sort of dismiss it and laugh away, particularly the son Herbert is kind of like, oh, well, this is just ridiculous. But isn't it nice to hear this like kind of, you know, tail or whatever around yeah. the fire? <laughs> um, it's 1902. Correct. So then or as we call it, the modern day. Yeah. Sorry, go on. So the soldier throws the monkey paw onto the fire and looks at them very mysteriously and says, that's it, we're done. And the old man, Mr. White, pulls it out of the fire before it burns and said, no, 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 let me have it if you don't want it. I'll, I'll keep it as a memento. Mm. And and so the soldier says, right, but be careful, you know. What and, you wish for. Correct. So Anonymous. everyone goes to bed. Things seem a little spooky, but everyone goes to bed. And then, oh, yeah, just before they're going to bed, sorry, Herbert, the son, kind of says, wouldn't it be funny if you made a wish on it? Go on, Dad, you should do it, you should do it. And so Mr. White in the end said, right, fine, I'll wish for $200. So he wishes for 200 or 200 pounds and the monkey think claw. big, dipshit. I know, but they don't think it's true. Yeah. It spins around in, yeah. his, in his palm when he makes the wish and he freaks out and says it moved and everyone laughs and says it couldn't possibly have. The soldiers left by this point. Mm. Everyone goes to bed. In the cold light of day, everything seems pretty normal, you know? Everything seems fine. Yep. He, the monkey paws sitting in the mantle. Herbert goes to work. Anyway, um, a couple of People hours should later, read this as well, I should say. They should. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm interested to know. Yeah, keep going. Spoiler, but you absolutely should read it because yeah. it's. I'm not doing a very good job of the No, I think you are doing a good job. But they should read it. It's, and yeah. you can find it everywhere on the internet if you just Google the monkey's paw. There's a really beautiful edition mm. from Slate that was um, that also has beautiful illustrations from Danika Novgorodov. Ah. Um, there are just a few, but it, it's a beautiful way of reading it. So then um, Herbert goes to work and a couple of hours later a very well-dressed gentleman knocks on their front door. They answer the door and they've got the $200 in their mind. And the gentleman knocks on the door and tells them that Herbert has been killed in a horrendous accident. Mm. He's basically been chewed through a machine at the factory mm. and he's dead. Now, the company then feel like they need to compensate the couple and give them $200. Yes. So then obviously they are absolutely devastated and they go to the funeral and they're sort of sitting there in this empty house alone. Herbert was their only child and they've lost him. They can't believe it. And then in the middle of the night, Mrs. White wakes up. And goes, the monkey paw, I know, I know, we can get him back, we can get him back. And so she wishes, she asks her husband to wish for Herbert to come back to life. Now, he has been mangled in this machinery and they never saw his body because yeah. it was, he was so grossly deformed. And the husband really doesn't want to do it. And he, he says, no, 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 no. Yeah. And his wife pushes him and eventually he agrees to it. So he wishes for Herbert to come back. An hour passes, nothing happens, and they think. They're like, oh, it didn't work or whatever. Yeah, and they're sort of sitting up in the middle of the night. And then Mm. all of a sudden they hear this banging at the door Mm. and they realise that the graveyard is exactly an hour's walk away from their house. And so this the, the the door's just rattling and banging, bang, bang, bang. And so then the Mrs. White runs down and wants to let him in. She's hysterical and he's saying, no, don't let the creature in, don't let the creature in. You know, he's trying to envision what that his son would look like. And then it kind of ends really abruptly. Mm. So just as she's about to unbolt the door, he uses his third wish to wish for his son to to go away. Yeah. And then silence befalls the house. Mm. That's the end of the story. It's good. And there's a great Simpsons parody episode about it as yeah, well. I watched that too because the Simpsons Halloween's. Oh, they're so good. Especially, I mean, look, I don't know what they're doing lately, but those early ones, there's some really, speaking of walking the line between like, Surreal and creepy and fun and, and all those kinds of things. Those episodes, 
always some of my favourites as a kid. They were always like a big, like a a big, big deal, deal at the time, you know. Yeah, even the way Marge Simpson sort of talks at the beginning of the Monkey Boy yeah. episode and says, you should really be taking, I'm not doing it justice, <laughs> you should be taking your children to bed. They should be watching this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I totally want to watch it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, you're like, oh, I'm getting away with something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's such a great feeling. There's one, there's one where just at the end they just turn inside out. They're, like Bart has like a nightmare and he wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, it was all a dream. And they're like, don't worry, there's nothing to worry about except that gas outside that turns people inside out. <laughs> and then it comes in and turns them all inside out. That's quite good. Uh, but, yeah, I've got one more thing, and I have talked about this. I, look, I thought, well, I definitely talked about this, but I hadn't talked about it here. So I thought I'd quickly talk about The Ritual from 2017, which is directed by David Bruckner, stars Rafe Spall, uh, Asha Ali, James, uh, uh, Robert James Collier, Collier? Yeah, and Sam Troughton. So reuniting after the, a tragic death of a friend, four college pals set out. Uh, more, I think it's more university pals because it's like they're English, I think. Uh, set on a hike through the Scandinavian wilderness, a wrong turn leads them into a mysterious forest of Norse legend where an ancient evil exists and stalks them at every turn. Okay, mm. so you know Rafe Spall, right? You'd know him. He's from things. Uh, Here he goes. He's I'm going to show you a picture. It's just easier if I show you a picture of Rafe Spall. So we're all got... An idea of what Rafe Spall... Oh, he's from Train. Oh, uh, yes, 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 correct. He's yes. great. He's oh, also he's from like so Shaun of the Dead and stuff and whatever. Oh, he's awesome. So, yeah, these guys were all mates and one of them had died in a, in a recent-ish accident and maybe some of them were involved in that or some of them weren't. So, anyway, uh, they're doing this hike and they're like, we're going to reunite and whatever and, you know, we're going to work through some bloody feelings and whatever. You know what I mean? So it's very much like, like Blair Witch esque you know they're like they kind of turned around in a forest there's like reality like blending with like hallucinations and like hints towards the occult and and like witchcraft and all these other kinds of things and the reveal of like what's going on without spoiling it it's like something that i hadn't really seen before because it is kind of uh it's based in like scandinavian legend it's like this from memory it's like this specific kind of idea or concept which again i won't spoil here which which you like you you see it kind of unfold and it's like oh shit i've never seen that before that's that's really interesting it's it's really unnerving just like it's because like i the blue which is good and like it, it did a lot of things you know pioneered a lot of things at the time but this is like i think it takes it manages to capture that feeling and put it out on like a bigger budget with like it's not found footage it's it's mm. shot like a movie. It's, it's normally yeah. shot. But, yeah, so it's really unnerving uh, and really, like, unsettling images and watching them kind of unravel together and, you know, one of them's twisted their ankles so they're like, do we, ditch this, do we ditch this guy and just, like, get out of these horrible woods where something is maybe chasing us maybe? I don't know. But it, it does those relationships between the characters really, really well and they're dealing with kind of the death of a friend and, uh, and you know, what and, and blame and, like, shifting blame and that kind of blends into how the world around them kind of morphs into the night where that death happens and things like that. And it, a lot of it ties back to their, like, uh, their family and, and all those kinds of things because it, it's all everything that you kind of fear or love kind of comes to a head in, in this in this one place. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's great. Two Netflix things. Oh, um, I love when it things on Netflix. It's so yeah. easy to find for everybody. I loved it. Uh, I haven't watched it in a few years. Uh, but, again, I did talk about it a couple of years ago on the Weekly Planet. But it's mm-hmm. – um, What's Maybe it even called more. again? It's called the the ritual. The ritual. The ritual. All right. And it's fantastic. All right. I loved it. And I can handle it. Maybe not. <laughs> 
I should just give it a go anyway. A woman sure. up. Get my eyeballs onto something. If I know that it's good, if the writing is really good and it's all relationship-based, yeah. also I discover I think you should what... try run first, Okay. Or whatever, do you want. Because I think what I also need is tension, but the tension and release. Do you know yeah. when you're watching something spooky but then the sun comes up and everyone's kind of for a little bit things are okay again? Yeah, that's definitely that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. That's, that's what I need. Mm. I don't like those movies where it just goes further and further yeah. into darkness and despair and terror. I There's, need a bit of, you know, light and shade. I'll give you one bit of imagery from it if the see if you handle this. And Collins, if you want to put a mild spoiler uh, code if people want to jump ahead. Okay. They fight like they're lost and they find this cabin and they're like, Great, we love cabins, we love shelter. We're men. You know what I mean? Correct. And they go in there and they're like, This sucks, but it's fine. Anyway, they uh, they in the middle of the Always night, ends badly. Well they go up one of them goes upstairs and there's this like pagan ritual setup of like a like a demon entity kind of wall monument and there's like a dude and he's like shirtless just like like just blindly like worshipping this thing like it's almost he's in like a trance you know what I mean yeah so if you can handle like stuff like that uh yeah I can handle that uh but it's just like it was it's really like upsetting yeah I'm not upset it's just it's good it's like the you know it's like the other one it's it's tense and makes good use of, like, soundscapes and things like that. And it also does really well where, like, the forest will, like, blend and all of a sudden become, like, a 7-Eleven. And it's really interesting the way that it it kind of, it does, kind that. of does that. The kind of the, the, and you see the world kind of creeping into a 7-Eleven, but it's, it's a 7-Eleven essentially as well. It's quite cool. That is uh, cool. Yeah, it's really good. All right, excellent. I think I love that kind of world building. Yeah. In that way, that's still why I liked Over the Garden Wall so much mm. because they managed to kind of build this incredible world. Yeah, that you uh, without you without even really doing much setup for it at all, you kind of um, almost immediately are immersed mm. in it and kind of believe it. And when you like the people, and it's like anything, I guess it makes a big difference. Also, that is so true. You know? Actually, yeah. that is part of actually the whole reason why. You feel so so much affinity for over the garden wall. It's because Wirt and Greg are so great. Yeah. So you just like them, and then you just want to spend more mm. time with them for whatever happens. Me and Mason um, this week for uh, for the weekly planner, we do a similar thing here. We're going to talk about the new Halloween movie. Uh, um, you know how it's like Michael Myers has got the mask and the knife and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of those guys, but uh, it's just not very good. And I just, it's interesting because like it's it's quite, it's, it's up and down as a series, but they made a reboot a couple of years ago or a sequel or like a sequel set. Sorry, oh, he got the mozzie. No, or is it a good? Yeah, 30 years after and like it brings back like Jamie Lee Curtis who was the protagonist of the original in like 1978 and now she's 40 years on or whatever, you know what I mean? And everything sucks for her and now this guy comes back and she's like, shit, Okay. Anyway, this sequel is set like directly after the last one that came out in 2018 and it just doesn't capture like any of the of – like the it original. does the kills. Like, you know, he's killing people and stomping heads and knife and whatever, but it doesn't – it's not really much. Is that because Jamie Lee Curtis isn't in it? She is. She's in it quite a oh. bit. And she's good because she always is and she's been consistently good for, you know, 40 years. But it's just not – it's not much. And it's also like a they're going to make another one. So it's like the middle of – it's like half a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. sound very unenthused by Oh, it. yeah, it's not great. I mean, you know, whatever. Anyway, should anyway, we move it along? We should. Well, I survived. I survived through our spooky time of the year. I can't wait 
to come back next year and you in a rush have to uh, be like, I watched Over the Garden Wall again. And it's like, <laughs> not good enough. No, I got some really great recommendations for listeners. So if I haven't read your email, that's because I'm saving your recommendations for <laughs> next year and in perpetuity. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Correct. All right. So if you like this show, we would love to hear from you. Suggestibles are always a fun time to be had and we love a good recommendation. So for this one in particular, I have an email from Josh Biggs for a scary, scary thing. Ooh, Josh Biggs, let's go. Ooh, the scary thing. It's James's worst nightmare. Ooh, is it bloody tax time? Gotcha. Ikea. (laughs) What about it? Hi, Claire and James. I was listening to your podcast where James complains a lot about IKEA. I'm behind, I know. As someone who perhaps works for IKEA and maybe has to deal with these same complaints all day, it made me defensive. (laughs) The reason behind IKEA flat packing furniture is because it keeps costs down. I know that. Would you like to pay probably double for an item of furniture just because you don't want to build it, James? No, I don't. Well, yes, quite frankly, because I want quality furniture. Can Josh Biggs continue? Also, it means we can fit more in a truck or a boat, and that helps make less trips, which helps the planet, James. Ikea are fucked. Do you hate the planet, they James? They also have slave labour, <laughs> don't they? No, I mean. They're actually not. They've got a very good ethical track record. I don't think they do. I'm no, going to look into. By the way, this isn't a slide against him. He doesn't own Ikea. Like, get, make money. So, listen. But listen to Josh Biggs. I will. The story you get told is that the founder, Ingvar, looks like a turtle and was totally in the Hitler youth, was selling a table to a friend and couldn't figure out a way to get it on a bike. So he chopped the legs off and screwed them on later. This is where the idea came from, apparently. Anyway, I hope this rant made you realise that perhaps the flat pack that really isn't very hard to assemble if you can read simple instructions with clear pictures that are essentially the same as Lego... Isn't that bad? I know. I love the pod, and despite your terrible opinions on Swedish furniture giants, I still enjoy all your other content. Hope you're having a good time. Stockholm Syndrome. That's what's (laughs) happening here, Claire. (laughs) All right. Uh, IKEA's founder has alleged Nazi ties. Uh, They use slave labour in uh, IKEA says sorry to East German political prisoners forced to make furniture. Oh, no. Yeah, that was in the 80s. That's the 80s. So? They've come a long way now. Have they? Ikea. I don't know why I'm defending IKEA. Anyway. Yeah, and I just don't think the quality of a lot of their things, not everything because you've, you've got those drawers and they're very solid, is up mm-hmm. to scratch. I and see. the stores are a nightmare, like a maze and you walk through and you can't just leave. It's like you have to walk the entire showroom floor. And then you're like, do I need a, do I need a <laughs> lime green ladle? No, you don't. Keep walking. Right. Josh, we've totally ignited a rage bomb in James over there. And uh, would you say, James, would you rather watch Halloween the movie, or have to assemble a flat pack. Halloween remote. Kills, you mean, the new one? Correct. Halloween Kills, 100%, any day of the week. Well, there you go. So you scared him. You scared the pants off him. You certainly have. With Spooky's your talk of Ikea. Uh, I mean, look, we didn't have for Amazon. I didn't have for Amazon Music the other day, so it might have been like, hey, the company you work for might not be great. Amazon, literally the worst company on earth, but me like, Give me your money, Amazon. I'll do your thing. I know. I feel so questionable about whether we should have done that. It was for their music platform. Yeah. Not for, like, goods and services. No, whatever. I I don't know. We are sorry. (laughs) We're very sorry. Hey, look, it's a good music platform, to their credit. It is, actually. But run by a lunatic. Okay. You You can review the show. Can you? It's from Wally. Uh, This one from Wally is 420247. And he's given it five stars in app. You can do that. You can go, James, you may be a massive fucking hypocrite, <laughs> but I like your show that you do with your lovely wife who's less of a hypocrite. 
This person says, Wally, you can just do it in app. This French guy is getting so good at voices that he can now do a dead-on Australian female along with his James persona from that other podcast he does by himself. You know, the one where he where the other fellow is named Meso. But good on him. This is a great podcast of a lonely man slowly going crazy as he pretends he is married <laughs> with kids. My goodness. Spookiest time of the year, everybody. It's super spooky. I know. The hmm. ventriloquy that you are able to pull off is nothing short of miraculous. Is that a word? Because that's great if it is. Yeah. Because that's like mul- ventriloquy is like multiple voices. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, no, I think it's just ventriloquy is like the verb, right? Sure. To do. To do. Ventriloquy. I don't know. Or the noun. I don't know. It's very late. I'm tired. I've had to watch too many spooky things. My brain is broken. How am I ever going to sleep again? You're just going to have to just, well, and you are tired, so I think you'll be fine. I think you just fall asleep. All right. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. I'm with this, but I would totally recommend going to read The Monkey's Paw. Yeah, it'll get you it in the spooky mood. It'll get you in the mood for love. For love? Yeah. Uh, I've got a you, you've got some monkey paws over there. I, I certainly know. do. I was trying to make Do you mean little joke. hairy hands? Correct. Very good. That's what I meant. Cool, cool. You know what I do absolutely, I enjoyed about the monkey paw and then also other ghost stories that I then subsequently read. I just like it when you vaguely heard about a thing and it becomes part of the pop culture thing and you see it around and I knew it sounded familiar but I'd never actually read the actual story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I loved about this episode and I think – is so fun, right, when you when you actually read the thing that the thing is based on. And sometimes it's completely different from what you assumed it was. Yeah, absolutely. So was it was it that was that for you? Yeah. Like yeah. I knew that it had the three wishes vibes, mm. but I didn't really know much else about it other than that it was kind of like a cursed monkey's hand. Yeah. But oh poor. I, I like I really so like I love like those old like short stories of like, you know, like weird like I don't know, stuff or whatever. Because you know? they're also made in an era where this, all this stuff was new and people had like, you know, this industrial revolution was kicking off and so all these new ideas were kind of coming through and people had, you know, more time to to both read and write, you know what I mean? And it was more kind of mainstream that, you know, books were a thing because people well, weren't they literate. Well, film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people, people haven't been all literate across. It's like a it's like a class thing a lot of the time, literacy, you know, and, and still is. So like The Dangerous Game, was, which is the one about a guy like gets shipwrecked on an island and there's like a like a very rich man there in a castle and he's like, Come and have dinner with me. And then he's like, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to let you out into the forest tomorrow, the jungle, and then I'm going to hunt you. And that's what we're going to do. And so uh, it's, it's been like adapted like multiple times since then. I think it was recently a Liam Hemsworth series set in the modern day. But that one's really good as well. I think Dave Warnock has done that on his Book Cheek podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love all those Weird little short stories. They're so great, right? Because it is, it's entertainment. Like they would have, this was published in a magazine initially in 1903. Yeah. So it's like that idea that you'd be sitting there and that would be your weekend entertainment. Exactly. Reading these short stories. 1924, that one was published. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even like the theatre, right? Like my great, my grandmother was Mm. an actor. Yeah. In Melbourne and it wasn't your, great, that, your grandma's Meryl Streep, is that right? She is correct. Yeah. The good old Mer, Mez, I call her. Mez. Grandma Mez. Grandma Mez. Me and Meza. No, but it wasn't, there was so much theatre. When yeah. she was in her 20s, the theatre was what people did on the weekend. Totally. You know, there wasn't film, you know, in the same way that there is now. There wasn't TV in your house. Yeah. So people would go out and so it was this whole scene 
where you would see multiple plays mm. even on, didn't during the week. My grandpa saw your grandma in a play. Yeah, once, not that, that right? on my dad's side. Oh, was he outside. saw it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. she was an opera singer. That's so weird. Yeah, but it is weird. Like yeah. at the Princess Theatre, your grandpa was sitting in the audience watching. And then my they got grandma. married. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we met that's at a family reunion. That's right. We met in the house we grew up in together. Smoky Halloween. Surprise. Her princess layering it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a reason why James is so into Star Wars. <laughs> no, yeah. but I do find that so bizarre, right? Mm. It's so cool. No, she that was on my dad's side. Yeah, okay, yeah. So theatricality is on both sides of my family. Well, I see it in our kids, or yeah. one in particular. <laughs> uh, anyways, thanks for everyone for watching. A little bit longer. It is the spookiest time of the year. Uh, please stay safe out there. Have a happy Halloween. Have a happy Halloween if there is such a thing. And thank you. Of course there always. is, Claire. For and all I, the recommendations. I love Halloween, like genuinely. And I think it's, I've talked about this multiple times, but here kind of growing up and even now there's people like some American tradition and blah, blah, which I also don't think it strictly is. Like I think it's been around for like longer than that. Yeah. But I guess the commercial element of that, you know, was, you know, came into being more in the US. But I think it's great. Like kids get into it, spooky stuff, you know, costumes, you know, I don't know people decorate their houses and whatever. I think it's really cool. I do Everything's too. made up and fuck it, whatever. And I think it's also non-denominational. That's true, that yeah. Way, which I like. I mean, I am not for the, like, dark side of all the slashery stuff. I don't like the costumes of people getting fake stabbies in the heart and in the head and, like, yeah. stuff like that. But, like, a cute little witch, some ghosts. Cute little witch. Some, you know, pumpkins hollowed like out. Megan little Mog. faces. Yeah. I don't know. I'm totally with you too. I've, I've liked it more as I've gotten older. Mm. Maybe just that sense of community as well, like the idea that you'd know your neighbours and pop around and, yeah, it's awesome. That's it. It's great. All right. Happy Halloween. Happy Smelloween. Happy Suggestible Podcast. And uh, thanks, as always, to Rock Collings for editing this episode. We'll speak to you next week if we make it. Ooh, maybe we're dead. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, goodbye. Bye. I'm going to wish on a monkey's paw to get out of this house. Mm. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. No. You lock yourself out. <laughs> you <just laughs> yeah. feel like, oh, I left my keys inside. All right. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.